I'm Vince. And I'm Travis. And we're about to ruin your games and stuff. This is Travis! Welcome to Undesign. What's up, Trav? What's up, dude? It doesn't matter. It doesn't um, matter. It doesn't matter. That's what I decided before the show started. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, this is the start, the start of the show. So uh, I rolled a thing, and the thing this, this week was something about verisimilitude, which is a great word. It is a great word. We say it a lot, verisimilitude. Um, it means, like, how stuff fits into a world believably. Like Effectively, that. yes. Do all the pieces um, of a thing the, jive together, yes. The appearance that something is likely to be in a world, in yeah. a place, in a thing, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So I rolled that. That's what, that's what I rolled. Um, what, what, I, I actually rolled something that said levels of your typical shopkeeper in a Dungeons & Dragons world. So, Vince, tell me what the hell were you smoking when you wrote this one? <laughs> Uh, what is this about? What are we going to talk about today? Sure. So this one's kind of fascinating to me in role-playing games, especially that have levels or, or you know, where where it's a very vertically uh, advancing game. So yeah. something like D&D, right? I'm fascinated by the levels of NPCs and how they get defined or or not defined, okay? What got me thinking about this was a an interview from I think it was Ed Greenwood that I read a little while back whenever okay. I wrote this topic where he was talking about sort of he likes to leave NPC definitions in his in his adventures and things that he writes quite arbitrary and amorphous right okay hey so yeah hazy yes so the shopkeeper you meet or the king or the whatever it doesn't matter right the ranger you meet along the road they're all, you know, you know, they're a human, you might know their class and, you know, that's kind of it. Mm-hmm. And that he doesn't really like defining all the stats and levels and things like that for people. Well, first of all, I love that. I love you, Ed. Uh, great work on that. Because there, there, there is something, something to be said about having, having something, something be nebulous because of the fact that it could become important later, which gives you freedom to use that importance to your advantage as Absolutely. a game maker, you know? Yes. Um, it's just great to be able to have someone be something more and not feel like you just broke something, you know, or broke a character because of it. Um, th- because the character was nebulous to start with, it gave you that freedom without, without any, any of that, that nasty leftover guilt that you would not normally otherwise have. Um, but it could still just be a shopkeeper, like, you know, beginning of Terminator 2, where a Terminator walks in and busts up a bar, right? And sure. at the end of the scene, the bar the barkeeper comes running out with a shotgun, and he just like takes it away from him because he's just a guy, right? Right. Because he really is just a guy. He's not some some Terminator killer or something, Terminator hunter, right? And right. that's still a possibility, and that's fine. But he could be. But he could be. So what what got me thinking about this is I like it when NPCs. I agree with you, by the way, completely and a hundred percent. I am I am on the page with you. Because I like it when NPCs are left rather amorphous and the PCs don't really have a conception of the thing beyond what they experience in the world as to that NPC's threat or efficacy or danger or whatever you want to say, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I like it when NPCs can be of any kind of level and it doesn't matter because they wield power or threat in other ways. Mm -hmm. 
you understand what I mean? Like, it's not the fact that they could draw a sword and beat you down in combat isn't what makes them interesting, right? Yeah. What makes them interesting is that they wield some level of political power such that they represent a real honest-to-goodness threat to you because they can— Guess what, your shopkeeper you achieving your goals. That, you, ju- that you, normally, you normally get your stuff from and you trade in your plus one swords that you're never going to use because they're stupid plus one swords. You tick him off the wrong way and he talks to the, the merchant's guild and shuts you out of all the stores in the coast. Right. You're in trouble then, all right? Because you don't have anywhere to unload those stupid plus one swords. You're going to be hiring caravans to drag your stupid plus one swords around. Exactly. That's, that's exactly what I mean. I love stuff like that. And I think that one of the things I because there's this sort of weird dichotomy in these fastly vertical games, right, where even in sort of modern fifth edition D&D, which flattened it to a degree, right, like orcs, for example, in yeah, some but, previous but it's still like hit points every level. Right. So you're still sure. Sure. Going but that way, as it is now, D&D did get flattened some like third edition D&D. Orcs were a dangerous threat for, like, two levels, <laughs> right? And then you could just plow down orcs mm-hmm. by the dozens. You needed, like, an army of orcs to pose a threat to you, right? In a certain way. I, I mean, third edition d Unless you also gave the orcs level. You leveled them, right? Right, yes. I'm just talking stock standard orc. Like, sure. And orc. Well, it was, it was divergent from the second edition way, which was a goblin's always a goblin's always a goblin, right? Right. Like, yeah, you, 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 you snuff out a goblin— you get 17 experience points and move on with your day, no matter if you're level one or level 20, right? Right. Um, so it was different, but you but you did have le- like leveled things in third edition. Sure, absolutely. And so you certainly could make an orc threatening because the orc also is a barbarian and da 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 and can do a lot of what you can do. Uh, in in fifth edition, currently orcs are simply dangerous longer. That is to say, because the game is flatter. Like yes, you do gain hit points, but the reality is orcs are quite a dangerous creature because you don't gain a ton of hit points and, okay. and defenses are capped. It, it uses more of like a second edition style AC system, sure. right? Where your AC kind of is very flat and, and easily caps off. And right. It's within, it, within a range of 40 or 30 or whatever, as opposed to being within a, you know, infinite range of third edition. Right. Exactly. So at any rate, I'm fascinated by this because what happens is you can just become so much better than the rest of the world. Mm. Right. Yeah. And, they have if to still matter in some way, otherwise it's it's entirely boring. Correct. If your character has some kind of meta-awareness that they are just very threatening to the world, then it just there's a there's a thing that snaps. Even if they're like even if they're a good person. I mean, they're not just rolling into a town and killing everybody in it. Like I'm playing Legacy of Kane on the original PlayStation, right? Mm, uh, where I would just kill everybody in the in the town for fun, you know. Say Victus! Say Victus! Uh, yes, I don't mean like that. I mean they're perfect. Your character is still perfectly good. You just kind of know it mm. that you that you could do this, right? And it's a weird sense you have in your head when Walk through a town and chop people up like threshing wheat, right? Whereas when when a lot of NPCs are left sort of amorphous and you describe the shopkeeper or the barkeep as somebody who seems competent, like they've seen battle and knows their way around a sword, and you just kind of leave it at that, right? And that's how the players are left to understand that person. 
And by the way, how you as a GM understand that person, because you don't necessarily have any more rules behind that person than that. And maybe later you need them to actually be a very potent retired mercenary warrior, or maybe you don't. Generally right? speaking, but that you're you're still going down the right path because you're you're describing a character rather than rather than than you know, reading off some scrawled down numbers. Exactly, um, and that's why I never like saying like, "Oh, they're clearly a fighter." I don't know what the heck that means in the terms of the world or how your characters would interpret it, right? Some maybe more than others. Like that is to say, you could say something to the effect of like, "Well, they're a cleric of Timora." Okay, I know what that means because I've used an in or a priest of Timor or whatever, right? right. I, I've used some kind of in-world conception of the thing, right? Because that is a more defined role. But even then, I like stuff when you just say they're a follower or, you know, a, you know, a servant of or, or something like that. But you can be more defined. You can just say a knight of, and you know, oh, this guy's a knight, all right? Right, go. yeah, yeah, exactly. I just, I, it, there's something, there's something more, uh, something jarring, I think, about using really proper game terms in your speech and in your description. Does that make sense? Sure. Uh, so I'm, I'm just, I'm fascinated by the proper way to describe things. So you agree with flat, that. More flat games certainly have some kind of advantage in this situation. Like Shadowrun has a, has a big advantage over a game like Dungeons and Dragons because sure. in Shadowrun, literally anybody can pick up a gun, shoot you and kill you. Um, yes. It's as simple as that. Like you can be really good with guns, but if you get shot with a gun, you're still going to die. So don't get shot with guns. Um, Joe shopkeeper with a shotgun is, is a problem. Um, Even if you're a hyper, hyper street samurai guy or whatever, you know, it's still an issue. Um, Oh yeah. I mean, I think of all all those original FASA games that were built on that kind of system had this right. Some sort of sorcery style games also probably a benefit from this where they're any, any game, any game that has a, a tighter view of, of, of what power is. Yes. Um, in a world, is is certainly going to have an advantage in this area because anyone can be anything at any time. They can make more of a difference. Um, and then the 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 more interesting aspects that you're talking about come back into play. You know, and it's very it's easy to bring them to the forefront because there's such a, an even playing field. Otherwise, that it has to be the role playing that matters, mm-hmm. um, right. as opposed to the numbers that matter. Um, so I think I think that's that's also you know, it's just an advantage that those kind of games have. Um, in games like Dungeons and Dragons, I, I don't know. I'm an, I, I, I'm a, I'm a dungeon master that loves NPCs. Um, they're, they're what bring me joy. A lot of times in games is creating a great NPC and then having, um, having a party of players really react well to that NPC. Uh, another, another favorite thing of mine though, is unexpected NPCs being, becoming big parts of the stories. Right. Um, just like. Characters run into like let's just say I'm running I'm, I'm like I'm 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 tired I haven't done my work for this week's adventure in the campaign so I just literally grab like a, some some random module out of a dungeon magazine of of old right yes yes and there's like a guy in it and I just happened to to have the spark of role playing to make him interesting for that adventure and he was never going to be in this campaign in the first place he just happened to end up there and the PCs love him. I'm just going to keep using that guy and it's going to change the change the narrative in a great way. Um, and that's important to have that kind, that kind of freedom, um, in, in your, in your game mastering, right? Yes. Um, because it feels so good when something like that happens. Yeah. And what that guy is and what he represents and what he, you know, is doing 
changes from from what your original conception was because the PCs attached to them. And that's why I think it's always better to be less descriptive, to not sweat the details of this kind of stuff, because I think so much of the work are just figure that out later. doesn't matter. Exactly. Because it's irrelevant. Ninety plus percent of the time. Right. Uh, it doesn't matter if you have a character that you're going to know is in, is going to like join a combat with the PCs, then maybe you kind of sketch out what you think that guy's to hit is or his AC or his hit points there, because you know, there's going to be a fight or by the way, maybe you don't, maybe you just have the NPC help and they roll some dice, right. And, and things happen, or you just assume this is kind of how it's working. Um, you don't need to be playing that person like they're a character. They can just be you know, a functional part of your overall encounter or, or mm-hmm. you know, the moment in the story. So I, I, I assume traditionally you've really stayed away from this. When do you design NPCs out completely? When do ever? I design? Okay. Um, I think, like, like completely? I, never. Uh, probably never. Um, mostly well yes sometimes and that's almost always near the end of a campaign completely okay so if i have had a recurring villain who isn't necessarily a combatant for most of the time in the game right right who's someone who's maybe a a string puller yeah um in a game this will happen often um a string puller with lots of mini bosses right lots of people under underlings that does it does the dirty work I won't bother to mess with with the hard details. I'll just have broad strokes of what kind of power this person can assert in the world. Um, can they assert political power, wealth, um, influence, things like that? Um, do they do they have an army? Can they amass an army? Um, do they have magic that they can you know get into the, get into the players' lives with, even though they don't know that they're they're getting meddled with, things like that? I'll just have those big broad strokes, and then. If the end of the campaign happens to go in a direction where they need to fight that thing or that guy, that 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 person, that character, that NPC, um, then maybe I will write down some hard facts about that that thing. All right. Um, Like like hit points and initiative and all the crap. Right. Yes. Um, Barring that. uh, Not much like like really, really not much. I will go off of. Basics, like you talked about orcs and whatever. Well, orcs and orcs and orcs to me. Like, I know the basic stats of an orc. I know how to implement them in the game. I know how much of a beating they can take. So that's that. That's that's all I need to know. Like, I don't need to write any of that down. Yeah, and, and the exact numbers in the end don't matter. You've got right. kind of this conception, and that's good to go. I agree. I think the only times I've really, like, the only time I sketch out complete stats to an NPC are when I'm literally going to hand control of that NPC to a player. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you're like going to give somebody a pet or a secondary yes. character to play yes. or et-, et cetera. Yeah. Yep. They get a squire or a pet or a mount or, you know, whatever. There's lots of situations where you suddenly have a buddy in the game. I right? feel like, like maybe I'm failing this conversation though, in a way, because a lot of, a lot of what I just said comes from experience. It doesn't actually have to do with necessarily what has to be reality. Um, I know when I was a much younger player who, and I didn't know, like in my head, I can summon a 20th level fighter wizard and know what that character can do. Right. Okay? Sure. Just instantaneously. Like I have no problem with that as a 10 or 11 year old kid trying to play D and D for the first time. I had no idea. 
right? I had to write stuff down. I had to look through the books and create the characters and create the bad guys. I had to do that. So the, the, the more inexperienced you are, I think the more benefits you get from that because you have to build – first, first you have to build some kind of foundation to, to, to draw from. Yeah. And then you're more, more able to get into the meat and potatoes of role playing, which is the role playing, which is getting the, you know, the, like doing, doing the stuff that I, the, the big broad strokes for your villains. I think that's fair, but I would still push back. You should, I think you should strive to that. I think, I think that, that should be the end goal and not having to write the stuff down because it's just unimportant. Yes. And I would still push back and say, for the shopkeepers and even like the king, if they're not going to be in, if there's no real reason or chance that they're going to get in a fight with him and all that kind of stuff. Oh, I forgot we were talking about that. Yeah. I still wouldn't for those NPCs be writing down the things, right? I think in those kinds of cases, I would always be leaning towards find the most evocative and interesting description. Like, did you tend to leave? Here's here's I think what I want to what I, what I want to sketch out, Trav. I think when I try to write NPC descriptions, <clears throat> yeah, my focus is on giving them a unique characteristic that the PCs can glom onto. Uh, it's certainly all about perception. It's 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 deciding how you want your players to perceive them, the the the, the character that you're putting forth, and then enacting that so that they actually do. Right. So, and I don't just mean like I think a lot of times, by the way, this ends up getting uh, being a <laughs> the sort of shortcut of a physical malady, mm. the eye patch badass syndrome, sure. right? Where people will focus in on like Whatever, oh, dude, a big long work. scar okay. on his face. Simple so. as that. That stuff works <clears throat> and it's fine. I think it's I, fine. I, I understand that. I'm just saying like, that's not really what I mean. Like, that's fine. You can have sure. cool and unique physical characteristics. Okay. Well, I wasn't, I wasn't actually speaking in that direction either. I'm just saying those are fine. <clears throat> I, I, I was, I was more going towards, towards the, the fact that, this person asserts an air of power, and I can feel it. I can sense it because— Oh, sure. What, Especially what when have. it comes to supernatural creatures or, or right, just right. highly charismatic Regardless of or whatever. Yeah. Just however, yeah, yeah. however you're going to implement it, I want, I want the players to know that um, in, how, in however way you can, you can put that forward. Yeah, I don't mind that kind of a shorthand. I've used that kind of shorthand frequently because that's something real. I've encountered that in my life, right, in real life. I have met people— who had an aura of power around them, right? right. This is not so, a, there are certainly card, cardinal Richelieu's out there, you know? Yes, exactly. Like, in 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 the real world, the real non-magical world that yep. we live in, I've met human beings that when you meet them, they're so self-possessed and or confident and or what they seem to wield and how they interact with people, right? You're just like, whoa, right? Or the, or the intelligence that they have or that they can summon. There's lots of reasons why this can, can come to bear in our, in our world. But I've met people who just, like, who physically are the opposite of intimidating, right? Mm -hmm. And yet they're just, they seem like they have this aura around them because of any of the things I just mentioned. And, and you right. read it, it's one of the first things I know about them. In fact, when I'm describing them and my encounter with them, to other human beings here in the real world, mm -hmm. that's the kind of text I'll use. Right. right. So to me, that feels perfectly legit to then say that that's what the players feel also. I just mean that, like, that's good. Also, saying that NPCs seem furative or distant or, you know, sad, having being in emotional states 
or things like that are, are, I think, often interesting hooks that don't always get captured in those kinds of descriptions. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think those hold a lot more weight than it to, to remembering somebody. Because I think when we are, as real humans, we're trained to really be tapped into the emotions of those around us, right? Like, for the most part, we tend to notice when people around us are super Certainly happy. Some of us are, yeah. Or something like that. And so I think that it just makes sense to also have that in there. And I think my answer is, when it comes to, like, the level of the shopkeeper in town, I don't care. He could be a first-level nothing, or zero-level nobody, a 20th-level fighter. He should be whatever the story needs him to be based on whatever. But when I'm describing him, that's not what I'm honing in on, right? I'm going to hone in on on uh, on something about his personality, uh, something about his demeanor, his emotional state, whatever. And that let that be how the PCs recognize him. And by the way, and how that he fits in the world thing, and why. Yeah. Yes. Is what's written in my notes. Right. Yeah. That's what I took the time to write down. Well, I think on a very basic level, the the, the real answer to this, like to, to, to the the subtext of this topic, the levels of your typical shopkeeper, whatever. And by shopkeeper, we mean literally any. Yeah. See. Yep. Um, the, the answer is just be agile with your design, right? It's, yes. You design only what you need and nothing more until you need it. I think that's right. I think that's exactly right. Yep. So if you need hit points for him, well, make up the hit points for him, you know, roll up the hit points, whatever. <laughs> you, if you need to know if he's got third level spells, no, you figure that out. But only that much and no more. The rest of it should be based around character building. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's the way to view NPCs in the world in general. They're all there to facilitate a story and feel as real as we can possibly make them feel. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, the, the more three-dimensional they feel, the more it feels like they're living a full life when the PCs walk away and the scene isn't on them anymore the better and more memorable they'll be. And by the way, no part of them feeling real is them having a, a character class. Right. Right. Uh, that is irrelevant. <laughs> right. <laughs> to, it's, to their... it's, it's more that, that they're a living, breathing part of this world that they're inhabiting with, with, with them. So that's what's important. I agree. All right. Do we have anything else you want to say? I, I think, I think we, we're, we'll probably come back to verisimilitude in the future. Yes. Um, because it's a, such an important thing, but on this little granular topic, yeah, sure. Um, the levels of your typical shopkeeper slash verisimilitude in the world, um, that's undesigned. This is obviously going to have a separate title, undesigned. <laughs> well, <laughs> Please! I'll figure out when I upload it. Fix the title. Thank I will you. fix it. Uh, but as always, folks, thank you very much for listening. If you've got questions, you can, there's an email down below. If you've got suggestions for future topics, we love that too. Uh, go ahead and give us a rating and a review on iTunes. That's awesome. That helps other people find the show, which we would very much appreciate. Uh, but of course, as always, we thank you very much for listening to this one, and we'll talk to you next time. Mm -hmm.